great to have you back on the podcast. Welcome. Yeah, I'm so happy to be back. You know, when I, I don't know, when I had this opportunity to be back on, I started getting really excited about it. It's We had a great discussion the last time, Angela, and I'm so I'm really grateful that you've invited me back and I'm looking forward to talking more with you. Yes, yes. So uh, let's get into just who Laura is. I would love for for us to hear your story. So who are you? What do you do? And what's the impact you're looking to make on the world? Oh, okay. So I know loaded questions, right? Yeah. (laughs) This is not a like a quick one liner. This is a many liner response, but I'll try Mm -hmm. to keep it brief. I have been a learning and development person for a very long time. And all this time, all these decades that I've been doing this, I don't, I won't get into how many decades, but it's more than one, um, <laughs> less than five, more than one. Um, and, uh, Somewhere uh, in that general area. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so anyway, I've been doing this for a long time. I was a soft skills trainer before soft skills became a thing that people actually wanted to talk about. I've ridden through, I started working in the soft skills area in like the late eighties, early nineties when nobody, Mm. nobody wanted to hear about it. You know, it was soft, it was fluffy, it was dumb and, you know, was not cool. And so we called it different things like interpersonal skills and communication training and presentation but now here we are in an era where, you know, people are starting to realize the importance of soft skills. And so that's always been my passion for many decades now. It's still my passion. And I have taken that into forming a company along with my business partner, Sean. We've created a company called Take Charge Learning. And our company has as its target market niche the skilled trades, so areas like construction and HVAC and plumbing and electrical. So it's a new segment of the market for me, but the subject matter is still just as applicable. And so that's what I'm doing. I have just dived right in to the trades. I'm now a woman in trades. I used to be a woman in tech and now I'm a woman in trades. And so that's pretty cool. And in my personal life, I've made a move so that I'm living near the beach and I'm feeling chill and I'm feeling (laughs) peaceful and I'm feeling grateful and all of these wonderful things are happening in my life. And, and now look here, I get to spend some time with you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing you asked about the impact that I want to make on the world. Mm -hmm. I think my personal mission has been the same for some time now. And that is, that I really want to use my knowledge, my skills, my passions, my talents, my abilities to help make work a great place to be. Mm. And the way that I choose to do this is by focusing on training managers, training managers, how to have relationships with their employees, how to, uh, you know, build trust, how to be empathetic and be curious and be interested and understand what people really need to grow and thrive in a workplace. And in mm. so doing, cause that ripple effect that makes work better. I love that. I love that. And this is a really timely conversation. And I was actually trying to quickly bring this up while you were talking, um, because I recently saw an article that got published around 
the construction um, fields. And I don't know if you saw it, but there was recently a grant that was developed to improve psychological safety on construction sites so workers feel safe speaking out, especially when it comes to potential safety oversights. So I feel like there is this shift happening, especially in some of the fields that you're working in, the trades field around, we focused so much on this idea of safety culture, mm-hmm. physical safety, right? Yeah. And I think we're realizing that there is a psychological, I know you call it soft skills, but there's a psychological com- component to oh, yeah. safety. So oh. tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, 100%. You know, so just so everybody knows, Aspects like psychological safety and, well, safety in general, I guess safety in general can be considered more of a hard sort of technical skill. And Mm -hmm. that's something that has long been accepted on workplaces that, you know, the idea of wearing the proper, you know, personal protective equipment of, of using the ladders correctly of how to, you know, using the proper winching and, and, Uh, equipment to keep you safe if you're Mm -hmm. on a roof or if you're up a tree or what have you. But the psychological safety aspect, you know, this is not new. This isn't a new subject. We've been talking, talking about psychological safety for some time, but now attention is really being put to it. And I believe there are a few factors. The first one, you mentioned the construction industry. You know, construction is one of the the top, I guess, what's the word? Uh, one of the top um, industries in which people, well, suicide is the, the one mm-hmm. of the greatest in the construction industry. Keep, I, mm. I don't know why I'm tripping over that so hard, <laughs> but let's just say that within construction, there is a high incidence of suicide. Not So mm. not just burnout and not just stress, but suicide. Mm. And, when you look at the occupations where suicide is most likely, you know, we're all used to hearing about dentists, but construction is in there. And there's a reason for that. It's because they have firstly, very little financial stability. Secondly, there is often a, you know, kind of a lack of respect or a lack of this understanding of what people need, not just employees, not just people in construction, but people in general need in a workplace. Hmm. And it's not being valued in that same way. So often construction workers move from project to project, company to company, and they're just not getting that sense of feeling valued, feeling heard Hmm. and understood. And we know that feeling heard and understood is a fundamental human need. And so if we're not getting that at work, we're not going to feel safe. We're not going to be feeling like this is a place where we belong. And psychological safety mm. has become a real issue in construction in particular, but really across the trades. And so as a group, I think we need to be better. We yes. a lot better. Yeah. So let me read you just some um, stats that mm-hmm, connect sure. back to what you just said. So, What we know is the death toll um, in construction hasn't changed in the past decade. And that death toll has been 10 out of every 100,000 workers didn't come home Mm -hmm. between 2011 and 2020, highlighting weak enforcement, um, you know, opioid epidemics, 
suicide rates, but also overall safety. And so some of that is psychological safety as well. So that is Mm -hmm. just such a huge opportunity to improve an entire industry. And I think to your point, I think some of these trades are oftentimes forgotten about when we talk about things like culture and well-being. Mm -hmm. We're very focused on not the knowledge worker or tech, you know, because we're so worried about retaining those people. But I think what we saw during COVID is these are our essential workers. Like we've got really clear on who those people are. Yes. And you know, okay. So 10 out of a hundred thousand may not seem like that many, but it's quite a lot. It's It's way too many. In my mind, that is way too many. And it's true that there are a number of factors that result in people, you know, feeling unsafe at work, people feeling burnt out, feeling stressed, feeling suicidal. So I'm not Mm -hmm. a therapist. I'm not going to go into that. But what I do know is if we can help people feel valued at work, that, that they will want to be there. They'll want to be at work. They will Mm. appreciate the fact that they're important. They'll pay more attention to things like safety, not, and not psychological safety, but, you know, adhering to, you know, regulations, guidelines, et cetera, on how to do their job safely. And then all of these other aspects start to fall into line. And even if you are, focus more on the numbers and less on the soft skills aspect of it. Let's examine Mm -hmm. that for a moment. If we can have people being, having a really great attitude towards their safety at work, then Mm -hmm. there's fewer incidences of, of injury and absence from work. If we have people engaged in their jobs and liking what they do, they want to be at work. So there's fewer incidences of people just phoning in sick or not Mm. showing up, which is something that is really common in the trades. People don't show up. There's also less likelihood, significantly less likelihood that they will want to walk across the street to another job. You know, if they like where they work, if they like their boss, if they like their colleagues, if they feel appreciated by their company, they will want to stay longer in it. And This may seem like not a big deal, but if you factor in the financial implications of keeping an employee on the job for even just another six months, there is an actual really strong impact on an organization's bottom line. So Mm -hmm. it is worth it for us to take a step back and look at how do we treat people at work. How are we as leaders and invest in the development of our people leaders so that they can be better at this? And it really, it, there's so much literature, Mm. you know, do any, to have a quick look on Gallup's website about employee engagement, it will tell you the impact on the bottom line. But when you are a company in the trades and you are finding it so hard to get technicians to work in your company and you look at the companies around you, your competitors and see that they're getting all the best technicians. What Mm. are they doing? That's different. It's probably that they are investing in the soft skill side of the business. 
They are listening to their employees. They are valuing what they say. They are offering them opportunities for professional development, not just required for Red Seal certification, but these opportunities to learn and grow and be better at what they do and develop themselves in their careers. If you can become known as an employer who puts that kind of attention forward for their employees, oh my gosh, imagine the positive impact that that would have on your organization. So Mm -hmm. that's why we do what we do. Yeah, and I feel like there's also this, and this is what I hear from some of the um, companies and clients that I work with who are uh, in the trades is, Oh, you know, our employees just want to clock in and clock out. Mm. They don't they don't want this extra stuff. So what is is that a myth? Is that is there some truth to that? What do you think? Okay. <laughs> so I've I too have heard that. I've had that happen or had that um said to me a number of times. And I've also heard things like, you know, the environment, there's such competition for tax, they'll walk across the street, they'll go to another job for like a dollar an hour more. And I always push back on that and say, Mm -hmm. really, would they really go for a dollar an hour? You know, think about this. What else has happened? And when I talk to people in the trace, people who have switched, I have also heard stories A friend of mine told me her husband left his job. He's a plumber. He left his job and he's getting paid $3 an hour more. And she said he left because he was getting, he's going to get $3 an hour more. I said, that's not why he left. Mm -hmm. You also told me that your husband has hated his job and hated his manager for months now. And so he, he found a job that pays him more and those opportunities are everywhere, folks. Mm-hmm. But he found a job that pays him more and he was really motivated to look for said job because he really was unhappy at work. And so I, I, I for every story you give me about people mm-hmm. who will skip just for another hour or, or sorry, a dollar or a few dollars more per hour, I can give you stories of people who have, been going to their bosses looking for help or or talking to their companies and saying, give me a reason to stay. And they're not getting that reason. You know, the money is important. And at this point in time, you mentioned it, the pandemic showed us the real value of a lot of these workers. We didn't really appreciate it before. And now the spotlight has been shone on it. Mm. And we have to start realizing that the way that we have worked with these people all this time is not working. It's just not. We need to, as, as organizational leadership, as leaders of people within these organizations, we need to do better by those people. Now, mm-hmm. in the short term, what this may mean is you hang on to your technicians a few months longer, maybe even a year longer. And as I said before, don't underestimate the financial impact of that. But also, you become known as an employer who cares. And that's where other technicians want to work. Oh, word gets around. And when, mm-hmm. when a technician leaves a job for a few dollars more an hour, he might take three or four other people with him. Mm-hmm. And so you have to understand that there's a ripple effect either way. People leaving causes a negative ripple effect, but people staying 
when somebody says, hey, you know, you could make a little bit more money at this other competitive organization. If they say, nah, you know what? I like the people I work with. I like my boss. The company treats me well. Yeah, that's also going to have big impact out there. That's a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think the perspective around what it means to be treated well, supported, enriched at work mm-hmm. is the same. You know, there are some basic needs, I think, when it comes to the workplace. And I think our our, our bar has just been so low in the trades right. for so long. Right. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean, let's face it. Business in general has, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they took their eye off of soft skills and off of these, you know, people related, people centric skills for some time. But then in the pandemic, we saw what this means. And we saw it very clearly. There's so much literature about knowledge workers and what this meant. We're still seeing it with Mm -hmm. people with organizations. Mm, How can I say it? Strongly encouraging their people to go back to the office and meeting a great deal of resistance. We're still seeing this grappling back and forth between organization and employees. And it's that layer of people-centric skills that is being Mm -hmm. called upon in this. This is not about technical ability. This Mm -hmm. is about people-centricity within organizations. And that is, it's playing out across pretty much every industry out there. I can't think of an industry that would be exempt. And the trades with the massive impact that they have globally, just in terms of sheer numbers of people working in the skilled trades, you can see how big the impact would be Mm. were we to develop in those areas. Not only that, there's another spinoff benefit. When I was thinking about coming on on this uh, podcast and thinking about things I'd like to say, something occurred to me, there's a spin-off benefit that I don't think a lot of people really think about. But professional associations within the skilled trades have spoken to me and to my partner a number of times about what can we do to attract more people to the trades? Mm-hmm. Because we've, we've, especially in North America, we've had a generation of people not wanting to go in the trades or not wanting their children to go into the trades. Mm. And so what can we do to make the trades more interesting? Well, for one thing, there's a lot of work. And for another thing, people within the trades are are currently getting paid fairly well. So at, at least in many sectors of the trades. So the dollar value is attractive, Mm -hmm. but there are other less tangible factors. And those are those soft skills that we've been talking about. And if you can make it not only a place where you can get a job and you can make decent money, but also where you will, will enjoy working, where you will thrive in your work, where you will have a career ahead of you, not just a, you know, doing like laying bricks for your entire life, but can you work in an organization that will feed the other aspects 
of what you Mm -hmm. want to do. If you want to lay bricks for your entire life and you are an artist at laying bricks, how wonderful for you. Mm -hmm. But if you are somebody who gets their start in that area and may like to learn other aspects like people leadership, like some of the more traditional managerial or administrative aspects Mm -hmm. or run your own company, how can we have a professional development path within organizations? And when we start making these factors known that our organization offers a a workplace where people want to be, a workplace where they get paid fairly and where they can grow and thrive, all of a sudden that becomes a real viable career Mm. option for those seeking to enter work. So right now it's a bleak time in terms of the talent pool for technicians. There's such competition. There's such a shortage for qualified skilled tradespeople. But if we can put our eyes on this, then this new group of, pe- of high school students that are seeking career options, there's, there's potentially a wonderful pool of talent just ready to come out and join the skilled trades workforce. But we have to lay the proper foundational groundwork. And that includes making our workplaces seem like the places where people feel valued, where they want to be, and where they will grow and thrive in their work. Hmm. Now, the thing that some people may be thinking about, or maybe it's just me, but no. um, the, the reality that comes to mind as you were talking through is the looming conversation, maybe not looming. I mean, it depends on how you look at it, but the conversation around AI, the conversation around technology, the conversations around where can we start to... Um, replace in some cases some of the parts of of the trade so how do you view that conversation and I mean I would I would offer that I think also developing what we call soft skills human skills people skills is a way to future proof our workforce as well um, with with that reality that is coming so what are your general thoughts around it Well, it's true. You know, what you've said is very true. We have artificial intelligence is becoming more and more thing. In fact, it's kind of a big buzzword right now. And it's not a buzzword because it doesn't have an impact. It's a buzzword Mm -hmm. because it does have an impact. And there's a lot of future potential for this impact. And I think we're going to find that AI will impact a Mm. whole lot of sectors including the skilled trades. There will be things, there already are things that um, are being automated, Mm -hmm. things that people used to do by hand and now are being done by machines. And I don't see that really slowing down. I think we will see more and more of that. So what that says to me is, again, anybody who wants a career in an industry like this will understand the fact that they need to grow and develop and evolve with it. Mm -hmm. So organizations need to be thinking of things like what do we need to put in place to help future proof our employees? So it begins with thinking strategically, Mm -hmm. what's happening, what is available right now and how do we need to make sure our people are versed in this? If we're a caring organization, 
I think we would prefer, I honestly, I don't know too many people that really love to fire others. You know, mm -hmm. I think most of us really want our people to, you know, do well at work. We just are maybe not getting it quite right. So anyway, back mm -hmm. to the automation and artificial intelligence and technology coming in. Wise companies in the skilled trades will be already embracing technology. They will be teaching their technicians how to use existing technology to make them better, more efficient at the work they do. They might also be looking at what is coming down the pipes for mm. technology. What, what is the scuttlebutt out there? Keeping themselves abreast of what's developing outside of their organization, what might impact them and doing some strategic analysis of this. How, do, how can they get ahead of it? What is consumer de demand going to be? How, what do they need to do to make sure that their technicians, their current employees, are educated and ready for this when the time comes? Because while it takes away certain aspects, technology and automation and artificial intelligence create opportunities on the other side. So this goes back to what I was saying about if we can have the type of organization where people can grow and learn and build skills, where we are thinking future forward instead of mired in the past, mm. then, we, then we can create resilient organizations with resilient people in them. And so, yes, it's true that there will be people who will be negatively impacted by this. I do hope that organizations will, though, take more of the strategic view and use that to educate their people. And if I can make a shameless plug for us, I mean, this is something that we do within our organization. We focus on the people centricity. We focus on these aspects of leadership, of people management, of service, so that we are educating people in such a way that they can then start seeing mm. what is to come. Strategic planning, strategic development is something that we offer to senior leaders of organizations. And we're talking with them mm -hmm. about these sorts of topics and saying, what are you doing? How are you, what are you aware of within your industry? How are you incorporating this into your planning in your organization? It has to be done. And technology will either be complementary to what you do, or it will roll over what you currently do. So what's mm -hmm. your choice? Well, Laura, I think this is a great segue into how people can find you. And if oh. they're looking to work with you and your partner, uh, where can they find you? How do they reach out? Yeah. Well, thank you for that. You can find us at takechargelearning.com. So I'll... I'll give you the link or you, I imagine you'll put that in comments. Yes. Yes. So you can reach us just in general at, uh, on our website at takechargelearning.com. You can email me directly at Laura at takechargelearning.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to continue the conversation that way. This is something that, you know, 
listeners, you may have already figured out that I'm really passionate about it <laughs> and I love to geek out over it. So I'm happy to just talk about it, any of these topics whenever somebody would love to, to have a chat. So please connect with me. Wonderful, Laura. Well, thank you so much for your time. I think we covered a lot of ground uh, in 28 minutes here, but thank you so much for, for being with us and sharing your your wisdom. 